Welcome to New Community Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to hear today's message. We are encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share or a prayer request for our prayer team, please email us at connect at newcommunity.co. Now please prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, good morning, NCC. How y'all doing? That was a little weak, but it's okay. Uh, hey, my name is Spencer, and I'm the family life pastor here at New Community Church. And let me just say that we're so excited that you're here today, and I believe that God has a purpose for you being here. Uh, and if you are new and I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, I would love that opportunity at the back after service. I'll be at the Connect Center, and I'd love just to get to know you and uh, know a little bit about your story. And if you are new, then you, uh, you may not know this. Everybody here at NCC can probably tell you if I gave them a little hint. But uh, here at NCC, we are passionate about making people and places new. And it's something that we are uh, so excited about. And even this morning, uh, during our 11 o'clock service, we get to celebrate that with 11 people being baptized. And that's super exciting. You can cheer. Yeah, I'll let them know you cheered for them. Uh, at the 11 o'clock service, but that's, man, we're so passionate about it. We're excited about people making decisions to come to Jesus, to know him, and to make him their Lord and Savior, and that's what it uh, is all about, is accepting Christ and saying, God, uh, I'm new in you, and and I want you to be Lord of my life, and uh, throughout scripture, we see different things where it says uh, that the old is gone and the new has come whenever Jesus comes into our life, and so we'll be celebrating that in 11 o'clock service today, Um, but I think today we should all be celebrating that. Each and every one of us, every day as Christ followers, we should be celebrating that and remembering what it says in Galatians, that that it's not I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me each and every day. And that's what we're called to do as believers, is ask Christ to live in us so that he can work through us, that he is the one that works on our behalf. He speaks for us. He leads us and guides us. He is the one that makes us whole and complete. Amen? Amen. And so uh, if you don't know me, I've, I've been working in student ministry for the past eight years, which is a little insane to think about the longevity of that, and it kind of makes me feel a little bit old. But uh, for the past eight years, I've worked with teens and students, and this idea of being made whole uh, is very different in some of their eyes. And if you've got kids, and you can attest to some of the things I'm about to share, but sometime around that teenage years, I'm going to talk to the preach of the choir over here of the youth. What's up, NYC? Holla at you, boy. Um, sometimes... When we get in those teen years, we start to realize like there's something missing, that we want something, and there's something that we begin to get a little bit more passionate about, and it's about other people and how we can fill that spot or that void in our life. And, uh, and lots of times for, for teenagers, it's actually seen through social media. Yeah, I ho- hopefully you guys have seen some of this, but the Facebooks, the Instagram, Twitters, all these things, and all of a sudden you start seeing these, these nice, mushy, sappy posts where it's like, I can't live without you. You're my everything. And you're just going, oh my God. You like scroll through that one really fast, right? Uh, My all-time favorite, you complete me. Air doesn't have taste. Food, I can't taste food when I'm not with you. And and all of these things. And, And at some point, all of us in our life, no matter how old we are, we realize that there is some emptiness in our life, that we're missing something, that we need something to fill us up. And this morning, we're going to look at uh, the idea of what it means to really be filled up, to be complete, and to be whole, because if we don't realize this, we, we need to today, that, that we are all broken. Each and every one of us, no matter how you were raised, if you came from a good family, a, a bad family, if uh, you're black or white or brown or whatever in between, no matter what, we are all broken, and we all need Jesus 
And so if, even if we look back at the beginning of time, uh, Adam and Eve created sin, and sin came in and broke us all in some way, and, and we have to realize that and go, okay, now what? Because we're not created just to live broken. And so this morning, we're going to look at the story of David. Some of you have heard of him uh, from the Bible. And David is a, is a man of God who was anointed at a very young age to be king. And I'm talking about he had a pretty good life early on because he gets anointed to be king. He's like out in the fields killing lions, tigers, and bears. Oh, my. He slays the giant Goliath. He's got all of these great things. And eventually, he becomes the king and he gets uh, all of these riches. He has this huge palace. He rules nations and armies and all of these things. But even David, who has such an incredible story, is also broken. We're going to look at the book of 2 Samuel this morning. And you can flip there if you want, but I'm just going to kind of briefly go over some of the highlights. Uh, but in 2 Samuel, we're going to look at uh, chapter number 11. And it talks about here in, in 2 Samuel that David is is there in a time when it says kings are usually off to war, that he's back at his palace. Now, David is a king, and that means that he's not supposed to be home, and we don't have any context of why he's at the palace and why he's not out at war. Maybe he got a tummy ache. Um, maybe he was just kind of being a little lazy, you know, wanted to kick it back on the couch. Whatever it was, we, we don't really know. He could have gotten complacent, or maybe just in that time of his life, he was a little depressed. Anybody ever just felt a little down and didn't want to do anything? Maybe that was David on this day. But it says, in a time when kings were off to war, David was out on his roof roaming around. And in one of the times where his life seems to have everything together, where he's a king and he's got authority and responsibility, he's got anything he could ever want, some of his greatest struggles begin to rear their head and sin begins to sneak in. Because what happens is David's on his roof, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he sees a woman bathing on top of the roof. And first instinct, he should have instantly turned around and, and ran and said, okay, I need to get away. I need to make sure that I stay far away from that, because he knew it was bad. But he stayed, and he looked, and he watched a little longer. And then he took it a step further, and he had her come to the palace, and then he slept with her. Then they got pregnant, and he found out, you know, she's married and all these things. And so he goes as far to lying and trying to get her husband back. Then he won't come back and sleep with her, so he has him killed. This man of God who had such a great beginning, who even in the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart, even David was broken. And even David slipped up. In a time where we said, man, everything seemed to be going his way. Everything looked on the outside like it was great. Some stuff began to happen. And I think probably the majority of us in the room today, we could probably relate to this. Because I feel like it's when things are usually pretty good. Right? There's always something good going on in life that, that we seem to get thrown some of the biggest curveballs. Maybe you get a new job or a promotion, and you're like, yes, everything's good, and you come home, and your kid brings home a failing grade. Or you go out and get a new car, and you're super excited, but, but your marriage just seems to be struggling. Or maybe you've been going to church, and you're faithful, and you're excited about what God's doing. He's, he's making everything new, and all of a sudden, someone in your family passes away. And you're just so confused at why all of this struggle keeps happening. Everything keeps piling up on top of you. And life seems to continue to break you. And if it's not life, we know that in John 10.10, 10, it says that it could be the enemy. That he's, in, he's coming in to steal, to kill, and destroy. That he wants nothing more but to break you to a point where you feel unusable, unqualified, and unfixable. He wants to mess up your life. And, and that's where we get to this place where we're broken. And we have to realize 
that we're actually made for more than brokenness, that we've got to get to a point where we trust God and lean solely on him. And, and this is like what we said where David is at in the story, that he's broken and he doesn't know what to do and he begins to freak out a little bit. Oh man, I, I, I don't know what to do and I've slept with her and now she's pregnant and now I've got to do something. I gotta, and he goes and kills somebody and everything keeps piling one on top of the other. He fell and he was broken just like so many of us are. And we, we tend to ask ourselves why. Why this brokenness? Or maybe why can't I overcome these tests, right? Life, life seems to be easy most of the time, but why can't I seem to get over this one hump? Or why can't I, I can't push through the tests and the trials of life? And we begin to ask ourselves this question. And I would say most of the time, it's probably because we're running on E. We come to church on Sundays and we fill up. We say, God, man, you're never gonna let me down. You're the best God. You're so good. You're so good. And, and we, we all worship God and we hear a word and we hear a message and we're challenged and charged up and we're ready to go. And then Monday comes and we're like, yeah, I got this. And Tuesday comes and, and you're like, yeah, I kind of got this. And Wednesday and slowly we run out of gas because we're not doing anything to fill ourselves back up. We come on Sundays and go, okay, I got it all. And now I got to try to sprint all the way to Sunday again. And God's going, man, you're supposed to live continuously with me, every single day meeting with me. And so we wonder why we're struggling. It's because we don't have the strength of Christ living in us daily to get us through the trials and the tests that we're going to face every single day. Not that might come, that are going to come. Being a Christ follower does not mean you've got an easy life. It means you've got trials because everything in life is going to push against what Christ has called you to live. So what are we going to do when we realize we're broken and we realize these tests and these trials come? Are we going to continue to neglect God like we talked about in Galatians that said, not, not I that lives, but it's Christ that lives in me? Are we allowing Christ to daily live in us so we can overcome those things or are we just letting him be a visitor? It's kind of the difference between uh, having a permanent residence or maybe just being a guest in someone's house, Right? This scripture says that we're supposed to have Christ living in us every single second of every single day. And that's how we make it through. That's how we continue to push. And we lose the power of Christ in us when we don't allow him to be with us. We've got to ask him every day, God, be with me, work in me, help me to be, be strong and powerful, courageous to fight the battles that are going to come. But whenever we don't do that, we we just allow God to be a piece of our life, right? We just want him in areas of our life. We begin to pick it apart. And, and it reminds me of an illustration I once heard somebody preach uh, about God being the missing puzzle piece of our life. Have you ever heard that? I'm sure some of you may have, but, but that we're a puzzle and God's that missing piece and there's this void. And I'm assuming everybody that's ever said it said it with the best of intentions, but I still have so much trouble believing that's real. Now, I say all that because first off, you gotta understand Puzzles in the speed household are a big deal. We are puzzlers and we are really, really good at it, okay? Like my mom, my grandma, this is like generational puzzlers and we love puzzles. Uh, and when we get them out, I'm assuming you've done the same thing. You go and you find the puzzles and you begin to look through which ones you wanna do. Anybody ever done a puzzle? Let me make sure you guys, okay, yeah, you're human. Um, we, we go and we look at the boxes and we go, okay, which puzzle do I wanna do? And we find the picture that we like and we're like, oh, this one's gonna look really good. And so we take it to the table, we open it up and we begin to pour out all the pieces. And you know, you gotta do the routine. You gotta put the edge pieces over here and then all the weird looking ones with one leg, two leg, three legs over here. Uh, some people mix them up by color. 
and you get ready, and then you sit down, and you, you hunker down, right, and you start putting it together. You start on the outside, make sure the edges are good. Then you start working kind of your way in. You put pieces together that match, and you put them in the side, and then slowly starts, stuff starts to come together, right? And you start to see the big picture, and then you get to the very end, and you look around, and, and you're missing a piece, and you get so frustrated, right? You're like, where is the piece? And you look everywhere and you're like, you stole the piece, didn't you? I know you took it. And then you look under the table, in the chair. If you're me, you check in the fridge because you probably made a couple trips back and forth. Um, but you check everywhere. You even look at the dog and you're like, did you eat it? You know, like, what's going on here? And then you glance back up at the puzzle and you see, eh, you know what? Like, it doesn't look half bad. All, all the pieces except for one are there. That's, that's the majority, right? It's like 99% of it. And you start looking at it, you go, okay, I did a pretty good job. The puzzle is recognizable. You can see the picture that's supposed to be on there. You can, you can understand what is supposed to be displayed on that, right? And that's why I stand firmly behind the stance of God is not like a piece of a puzzle. Because if he was, then my life would be pretty dang good. I've got a good job, a great family. I've got all these things going for me. And if maybe God's missing every once in a while, oh, okay, like, I'll be all right. And that's so far from the truth. It's so far from what God wants in our life. He doesn't want to just be a piece. He wants to have all of the pieces. He wants to be in the midst of all of them. And so we, we've got to get out of this mindset of going, okay, God, you're just a piece of, of every once in a while, just a piece on Sunday morning. That's when you come in. You're a piece on Wednesday night or, or wherever you seem to have that time with God. Because he's not just a piece. And you're not just a puzzle. Puzzles are flat. They show a picture. They have no motion, no movement. They don't do anything. And you were made for far more than that made for more than just to be displayed. You were made for greatness. God made you with a purpose, each and every one of you, for a reason. And he made you specifically special for a reason. Different shapes, different sizes, different colors, different talents. Every single one of us made for a purpose, made to be filled up with the Spirit of God so that we could pour that out to other people and say, look, this is my God. This is who he's called me to be. This is how you should live. Here's how to overcome. We're supposed to bring hope and joy and peace, prosperity. We're supposed to bring all these things to people going, this is my God. And we can only do that when we can be filled up. But a puzzle can't be filled up. So I would say we're more like this pot. Kind of weird. That's okay. We're like a pot. Because what? A pot can be filled up. You can put things inside of a pot. You can, you can plant in a pot. It, it creates room for growth. It begins to make an area where things can prosper. Things can come alive where you can put something in it. And then if it starts growing, you can put it in something bigger. And each and every one of us are like this. We are called and created with a purpose. But what happens, what happens when, when life starts to throw some curveballs? Like David. He was doing good for a while and he was born in a good family and raised right and anointed to be king and slayed giants, all of these things, but eventually life took its toll, right? Made a mistake here, goes off and has sex with someone else's wife there, goes and lies, cheats, steals, deceives, disappoints his family his friends can't be filled up anymore, can he? 
we can't be filled up anymore when we're broken or when we just say, God, you're just a piece. God, here's your piece on Sunday morning. And so, so here's your piece. And now here's my family and, and here's my friends. And, and we seem to have a little problem on our hands. And God wants more than just to be a piece. He wants to be what holds all of your pieces together. He wants you to give him your whole life, every one of these things. Maybe this is that one decision in high school that you made that you wish you could take back. And, and here's where you, you cheated on your spouse. Here's where you, you lied to your boss. Here's the things where you made your kids sad and disappointed. He's going, give me all of this. I want to make you whole again. I want to complete you. I am the only thing that can complete you. I can bring you together and give you a purpose. I can fill you up so you can fight the battle each and every day. God is more than just a piece. He's what holds your pieces together, every area of your life. And we're all broken, but we all need God. We have a purpose, and God wants us to be just like this. He wants us to be a broken vessel. Do you understand that? A broken vessel is something that he can fix, but if we're all pure and we're all perfect, then, then we don't need God, but we all know that we're not. We know we're not perfect, that we do need somebody to help us. We need a savior to save us, and that's why God sent Jesus to die on the cross for each and every one of us, to save us and to put our pieces back together so we can be used by him. So what does, what does David do? Because we're in the same shoes as him. We're going, we're broken, we're messed up, we've screwed up, we've sinned, we've flawed, we are jacked up. So what do we do now? How do we fix these pieces? How do we take our, our life and put it back together? And David shows us a perfect example. And it's in Psalm 51. And this is where we're going to spend the rest of our time this morning together. Psalm 51, verse 10. It's on page 271 in the Bibles that are in the seats underneath you. If you don't have a Bible, that's our gift to you. Uh, you can have that. You can take it home. We believe in the Word of God and the power that it has and that we should be living by it. And so in Psalm 51, we've got this story um, of David where he is crying out to God and he's saying, God, I've messed up. I've messed up and I need you. And I'm gonna start in verse 10 and it says this, Psalms 51, 10. It says, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. We're gonna stop right there, but this, this part right here is so powerful. We're gonna break it down and just do a couple pieces, but if we start off in verse 10, we realize David is, he's messed up, he's screwed up, he's gone and uh, slept with somebody's wife, he had the husband murdered, they've got a, a baby, all these things are going wrong, and David's going, I'm a king, I'm supposed to be living for God, now what do I do? And maybe some of you have, have been in shoes like that going, God, I've messed up. Now what do I do? Here's what it is. Verse 10, the first thing he says, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit. This part right here is so important and I'm not talking about just for, for one person in this room today, but for every single one of us because why? We are all sinners. We all make mistakes and we all mess up and, and we are not uh, adopting this idea that once we get saved, we can go do anything we wanna do. No, it's a daily lifestyle that we are pursuing Christ and every single time we mess up, we should be going to God going, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy, forgive me, I need you. 
Clean me. Purify me. I don't deserve your love, but God, I need it. And that's where David's at here in verse 10. Create in me a clean heart. He acknowledges his sin. If you read the first nine verses of Psalms 51, the whole thing is about, God, have mercy on me. Wash away my iniquity. I know that I've sinned against you and no one else. I desire to be pure. Cleanse me with the hyssop. All of these different things where it's saying, I need you, God. I need you. Fix my brokenness. David begins to repent. He begins to ask God to cleanse him. And and this is important to me that it's not just cleansing like the the outer uh, actions. He's not saying, God, help me not to be an adulterer. I don't want to sleep with anybody's wife anymore. Help me not to be a murderer. I don't want to do that. He is going to the heart and the root of the problem. He's saying, God, cleanse my heart, the thing that made me do these things, the thing that led me astray. God, fix me in the deepest parts of my body, my spirit. Make it new. Make it whole. Renew me. It's not just the adultery part I don't want to do, not just the murder part. I'm talking about all of it. I want to be more like Christ every single day. He prays for those internal struggles. It's not broad or vague. It's not, God, just kind of fix my life. I need some help. I mean, think about it. You don't go to the doctor and say, yeah, something hurts, right? You're very specific. You say, it's right here. Here's the pain. Here's the level. I need some stuff now. Because if you want help, you got to point to where it hurts. And God's going, hey, I'm here. Just tell me. He already knows. You don't have to hide nothing. He's just going, I want somebody that's broken. I want somebody that's willing to be transparent and go, okay, here's my life, God. I know I've screwed up. I know I've messed up. I need you. Be broken before God. Verse 12 says this, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. I love, I love this line because, again, we talked about we don't know where David was at whenever he made these mistakes mentally. Maybe he was depressed. Maybe he had forgotten who God was. Maybe he forgot how God has brought him through all the, the trials where he had defeated the lions and tigers and, he's, and the bears and he's be, defeated Goliath and he's been a part of armies that have conquered nations and all of these things. And maybe he just forgot about where God had brought him to. And this is where he's going, God, I need you to restore in me that salvation. Bring back that to me. Not a new salvation. Not going, oh, well, I'm not saved anymore. That's not it. It's saying, restore to me what I once had, where I was so excited. Think about that childlike faith of what it is to to see something for the first time, to go to the zoo or the aquarium, to go to Six Flags. I remember when I was three years old, my mom told me a story. Um, She was cooking lunch, and, and she looked around, and she realized I wasn't there. She's like, oh my gosh, where did my son go? And so she looked and the back door's open. So she runs outside and, and she's looking around. She doesn't see me and, and she begins to look up and I had shimmied up the antenna pole and gotten on the roof of the garage. She goes, Spencer O'Neill, what are you doing? Get down. And I said, mom, you can see everything from up here. And there was such joy and excitement because it was something that I had never seen and there was something that I had never experienced before and I was so excited about the possibilities that were out there. And David's saying, God, restore to me that memory, that feeling of joy to know, man, there's nothing greater than when God comes in and restores and cleanses, takes away every sin that we've ever made and said, hey, you're whole, you're complete, you're mine, you're a son and a daughter of God, and I want to wrap my arms around you. The joy that we should live with because of that. We got to remember what it was like the first time Restore that to me. 
I don't know if this is appropriate, but that, that song, feels like the first time, right? Like, God, help me to remember that first time feeling of whenever you came in and you saved me. Restore that joy. Help me to be remembering what it was like. I know some of you guys, there's stuff that's going good in your life all the time. We see it on your prayer and praise cards that you write down on, and we love celebrating. Think about those things. When you're excited about something, you want to share it, don't you? I mean, I'll share. I, mean, I got a fiance here. She's beautiful. We just got a house. We bought one, and like we got a great interest rate. I'm just like, man, I'll share all that with you because I'm happy. I'm joyful. I'm excited. What is it in God that God has done in your life that you're going, hey, that's what I need to remember. I need to remember where he brought me from. I need to remember what I used to be before I met him. That's the joy I need because that's the, do- the joy that changes. And we see the last part that David talks about here in verse, verse 13. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. It's not just about me. And if you think Christianity and Jesus is just about you being good, then you've got it all messed up because it's not just about you. It's about you growing in Christ so that you can help others grow in Christ. And David realizes that. He says, you know what? I've got to fix myself. God, create a new heart in me, cleanse my my spirit, bring me joy. Because why? Because other people need my testimony. Other people need to know that they have hope even when they're broken, even when all things seem to be falling apart. Other people need you. And you don't have to be scared or insecure about your story because it's it's what God has done in you. In the Bible, it says we overcome by the word, the blood of the the lamb and the word of our testimony. That's how we overcome going, okay, God, you've brought me from here. You can bring me from somewhere else. And we're called to teach others that, to share that with other people, to share our faith, to grow, to have relationships with people, to go eat together with people like we just talked about, going and doing that and sharing life with each other. This is what we're created to be. We're created to be broken so God can put us together and then use us for his glory. And today, there may be some people in here that that are broken that have never felt that joy of salvation. Some people that that their whole life has just been trial after trial, failure after failure, and you just feel broken and depressed every single day, and today, that can change. The being broken part, the repentant part, that is not just for people that don't know Jesus. We talked about it a second ago. That's for every single one of us in the room. God wants us to be broken. Because like we said, broken people realize they need Jesus. And that's how God wants us to be. And so there may be people in this room today and you would say, hey, my, what I need to do is I need to be broken. I need to accept it, that I'm messed up. So many times we come to church thinking we've got to be fixed up, looking good, and, and nobody can know that we have any sin, that, that we've got something messed up. But church is not for the healthy, it's for the hurting. You don't need to hide it. You don't need to be ashamed of it. You don't want to be disappointed. You need to give it to God and say, God, make me whole. Help me to give other people uh, some hope because of what I've been through. So maybe that's some of you in, in the room this morning, or maybe some of you have become complacent. You know, you've, you've come week after week, and you just kind of do the same thing. You get in a routine. Maybe every week you pray, God, help me to break that same sin. Help me to break that same habit. And God's going, hey, it's time. Break it. Be broken before me. Give it all to me. I want to cleanse you. I want to make you new. And I don't want you to have to get dirty again. I don't want you to go back to it. And maybe that's you this morning. 
And I'm going to ask you if, if you want to respond in some way that there's sermon notes in the back of the seats or if you got your phone and you're taking notes, I want you to physically write down what it is that God's speaking to you as we go through that because, because if we just let it be, then we're never going to change. We're never going to be greater. But if we let God speak to us and we begin to say, okay, here's what he's calling me to do today, then you've got something to go towards, a goal, something to achieve. And God's going, hey, I want you to be greater today than you were yesterday, closer to me today than you were yesterday. So maybe it's the brokenness that you need. Maybe you need to be broken. The second thing is, is we need to get fixed. Some of us need to get fixed. We need to be restoring the joy that Christ had in our life. Some of us have been going through church for so long that we're just walking through the motions. We're going, well, back to church on a Sunday. And we just, you know, get dressed and we go and we come in the doors, we sing the songs, we listen to the message and we walk out and nothing ever changes. And God's saying, hey, Today, you need to find that joy again. You need to realize what that was when you first found me, when I first saved you. Quit throwing a pity party for yourself, going, well, life will never be better. Nothing's gonna get good. Find that joy that Christ has given you and accept it and say, okay, things are different now. I'm gonna be different. Deny yourself and pick up your cross and say, God, I'm living for you all the way, 100%. If that's you, Man, get fixed today. Find that joy. And the last thing is to be used. I know this is a challenge for every single one of us because this will never, ever end. God wants to use you. It's that last verse that David talked about right there where he said, hey, God, once, I've, once you've cleaned me and once I've found that joy, then I wanna start teaching people. Then I wanna start turning sinners back to you because you are the way, the truth, and the life and no one comes to the Father except for through you. And God is saying today, hey, it's time for you to step up. It's time for you to do something. Maybe you don't know what to do. We've got a plethora of opportunities, a plethora of things that you can go serve on a Sunday morning out here on Wednesday night with the kids. You can go to the, West, or the back to school fair. You can uh, get involved in so many different areas. You can go serve at uh, homeless shelters, at soup kitchens. You can be used by God. You just got to do it. You've got to realize that you were created for more that you've got a purpose and that God wants to use you. And so my challenge to you, my question is, will you do one of these? Will you figure out where you're at? Will you say, God, maybe I need to be broken. That's it. I've been hardened. My heart has been jacked up and and I've just kept coming and going, okay, you know what? God is this and I'm, I'm over here and I can't be fixed. Do you need to be broken? Do you need to be fixed to restore that joy, to find that first true love? Or do you need to be used? Do you need to begin to let your faith be moved by action like we talked about in the, in the series James, how we should be living out our faith every single day so that we don't run out of gas? Whatever it is, I want you to write it down and I'm gonna pray for you this morning. If you wouldn't mind, let's just stand up as we pray and I encourage you, pray, pray to God with me. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity that we get to come and worship you And Lord, we celebrate that today people are going public in their faith, getting baptized in water to celebrate that you are their maker, you are their savior, you are the only thing they need, and that it is you that is living inside of them, that you have power and strength to help them overcome. And Lord, I pray today, Lord, as we've read through your word and we've been challenged by what you've said, 
Lord, that we would each leave this place different, that we would accept what you're calling us to, Lord, to be broken, to get fixed, and to be used by you. Lord, whatever it is in our life, that you would help us to see it. Let us take off the blinders that we've worn for so long. Help us to realize that you've called us to more, that you've given us a purpose, that you aren't just wanting us to to live a useless life, but God, you want us to live for others, to share your glory. God, and help us to go out of this place and make people and places new through your power. Lord, we we lift up our hands and we say, use us. We wanna be used by you. We surrender fully to you and we ask for you to take our hearts, to take our bodies and to use us for your glory. And it's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen.